Welcome to the Step In, Step Up podcast. This is a conversation designed to help you get the most out of your Step In, Step Up journey. Today, we have a great episode, so get ready. All right, step in and step up with your two favorite pastors. Jeremy's voice is not doing so great today, uh, but this podcast is going to be great. Let's do all the stuff we do at the beginning. What do we got first? All right, let's see. I, I love getting to recognize and honor people oh, man. within our church who are making a difference and just making the world better, brighter, and all those great things that we want to say. Yes. I would like to throw out the, the name of probably Adam. Probably oh. one of the nicest human beings on earth, by the oh, way. Oh, absolutely. Hands down. Absolutely. I'll be shining his shoes in heaven. <laughs> no kidding. Who much you better got? person. Who you got? I want to nominate Adam Olgeen. I second that. Adam, you are Momentum's Volunteer of the Week. Now, let's share some Adam stories. What do you see? What do you... Okay, Adam was probably one of the, just like what you said, one of the nicest people you'll meet. Yep. Good um, human being. He's taken me to basketball games. Like, you know, like a lot of times someone would be like, hey, you want to come to a basketball game? And then they're like, you like say yes. And they're like, okay, here's how much the ticket is. <laughs> or like that. No, he's just like, hey, dude, I've got an extra ticket. It's free. You want to come? And I'm like, absolutely. Uh, the, the amount of Sundays that he is there way before anybody, like he's not even on the setup and teardown team, but yes. he's there early so many times yeah. and he stays late so many times. The number of events that we've hosted or done where he's there till the very end putting something away where he has absolutely like no obligation to be there. Yeah. I mean, I've got tons. I'm sure you've got some. What are some in of In Heart of the House, in heart, uh, Momentum Heart of the House, our volunteer culture thing, we say dependability is our backbone. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And, and what we mean is in a healthy church and healthy ministries – the the they fall over without dependability. Your body falls over without dependability. And so dependability honestly is the most underrated trait in ministry work. And and Adam Olgeen is the picture of dependability. He's he's somebody you can count on. He if he says, Hey, I got this, you're not like, oh gosh, I hope he has this. Like yeah, he absolutely. just shows up and uh if if you shoot. You you find me ten more Adam Olgeens. We'll take over the world in Jesus' name. Um, Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. We love you, bro. We're pumped. All right. So the reason we do this podcast, the yeah. Step In, Step Up podcast, we do this for a couple of reasons. One, there's only so much you can fit in on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, two, there's things that we want you to carry throughout the week. And three, we just want to see people grow spiritually in just all different aspects Man. of their life. Yes. And so for the last couple months, every month we've been doing something new. In June, we talked about what does it look like to grow spiritually. In July, we talked about what does it look like to grow spiritually through serving. Yeah. And now that it, August is here, we're going to talk about something new. We're going to talk about what does it look like to grow spiritually through the act of giving. Now, here's the deal. We know that giving for a lot of people is a sensitive topic yeah, because absolutely. they're like, oh, there's two pastors making a podcast and they say, give us money. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I bet so. So here's the deal. Instead of talking about giving in the sense of, hey, do this so that blank can happen or something like that, I, I want to kind of do what we did like with serving. Um, when, we, when we just we told a story, we told your story yeah. about how it had impacted you and how it changed your life. And so I know that way before you were ever a pastor, you had started giving. Yeah. And that was a part of your story. So why don't you just kind of tell us, how did how did you first encounter this idea? Mm-hmm. Where did this all begin for you? If we, start, tell us, tell us your little you. beginning. Um, gosh, this... 
I've been looking forward to sharing this because generosity is such a tough thing because it is something that's transformed me, that's made me a different type of person. And then the day I became a pastor, all of a sudden my personal credibility or 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 anytime I talk about giving generosity or whatever, there's going to be a big elephant room alongside me. And so um, if you're listening to this podcast, I think you probably know our story, our church, my life well enough to know, um, uh, to believe, I don't know, to, to, uh, to get, to get where I'm coming from. Um, this thing matters to me and, and here's why for me, my generosity story, um, began at 18 years old when I was a selfish, addicted, narrow minded, um, stupid kid, um, who was only thinking about himself and living for himself and I found out that Jesus could love me in spite of that, so much so he gave his life up on a cross so I could live and be connected to God and find life in him. Um, right then and there, um, Jesus had rescued me from so much. My next reaction was I just wanted people to experience the joy and the life and the fun and the energy that I found through getting to know God through Christ. Um, period. Um, those two were side by side for me. Um, so, you know, I had a few humble jobs when I was working my way through high school. That school year, I forget what I was doing specifically for work, probably just doing side jobs with my dad still. Um, and I go, okay, if I want, if Jesus is expressing his love for the world through his church and I have resources and the church needs them, there's probably an opportunity here. But, but that is not actually where it took off. Um, so, so I fall in love with Jesus. I realize I want as many people to meet him as possible. I realize that I need to do ministry if that is to happen. And, and I just feel like my next step in my faith is to go into vocational ministry, to become a pastor, um, to learn. Hold on. Just, just for a second, just so that our audience knows, you said ministry and then you said vocational ministry. Yes. Explain the difference between okay, those real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. When I say, uh, I think every single Jesus follower is called the ministry, which means finding a way to love and serve others through the mission of the local church. Vocational ministry would be the another step where you say, you know what, as a career, I want to be a ministry worker. That'd be like Christian teacher, uh, missionary, pastor, groups pastor, whatever you're up to, one of those. And so for me, that was okay. like more and more there were people around me saying, hey, that's a good avenue for you. You should check it out. Now, here's the thing. Um, I was a raised... Um, from a very young age with a plan to go and make as much money as I possibly could. Um, I had a cousin who was super successful. Uh, he, he was a claims adjuster who had figured out he could make three times the money on his own. He moved to Houston like as Houston was booming. He's flipping homes. He's working storms. And, and he had a blueprint for me. And the plan was, Matt, you go to state school, you get a degree because you need a degree, and as soon as you're done, I've got a place for you here. We'll go down to Texas. I'll teach you everything I know. We'll make a fortune, and life will be good. I was all about that. I mean, I was one of the most frightening days of my life after coming to Christ was when I talked to that cousin, and I mean, it was as clear as day. I wanted to be like him. We had a plan in place. And I told him, dude, Jesus got in a hold of my heart, and I, I think I want to be a pastor. Um, it was really cool. He ended up saying, man, I'm so happy for you, and I, I want what you have. And, you know, we had some great Jesus talks in the wake of that moment. But but, um, but then came, okay, you want to be a pastor, 
And then for me, I had to go to uh, a Christian school to do so. And, and instantly my whole family was like, buddy, what are you doing? Um, I'm talking financially because state school was like whatever the heck, five or six thousand dollars a year. The Christian school that I was going to attend was three or four times that amount. And we just didn't know what to do. And I was like, you guys, I don't know what to do either, but, but I just, I just feel like this is what God's putting in front of me. And so I took this tiny little step and I said, man, I'm filling out the application. I'm going to apply for this leadership scholarship. Uh, that was summer. So this is like, literally I'm supposed to be there in a few weeks and it's summer. And I go to a CIY trip as a student, my senior year, it's my last year. And Oddly enough, there was um, a little raffle for scholarships to the school that I was going to be going. I threw my name in a hat, and um, it's like night three, and they got the Bible college out there. And like, hey, we have a scholarship. Uh, somebody won $1,000 to this school, Matt Allman. And they say my name. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Didn't expect it. Didn't see it coming. Didn't have a plan yet. It wasn't nearly what I needed to, to, to go to the school. But it was a breadcrumb, like leading me one step closer to the will of God. And I said, this is neat. And so um, uh, some more time rolls by that summer. And it's about two or three weeks before I'm supposed to go to school. And the I get a call from a number I didn't know on my cell phone. Flip phone, by the way, Sprint, 300 minutes a month. And I get a call, and uh, and it's uh, a dean from that school, and he says, Matt, hey, I'm calling with really good news for you today. Uh, you've won this leadership scholarship. And, I mean, this is like two weeks later after CIY, two weeks before school. Like, you've won this leadership scholarship. That You've got a $10,000 scholarship. It unfolds over the course of the four years, you know, whatever and whatever, and it grows and increases till you finish and honestly, that was just enough to make it so I could go to school for my freshman year. Like some student loans, uh, some, some student loans, some uh, parents' help, and these scholarships. And like I was making it. But it wasn't a ton. But oddly enough, I was like, I shouldn't be here. Right. Like, I should. Right. Like the ends did not touch. And by the time it was time for class, they did. And, and, and it was not like this, oh, my gosh, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, there was – I remember it was either freshman or sophomore year. I was sitting there in the, the, the little admissions office going, hey, class starts f- in five minutes. Are we good? Like, hey, my mom's calling. She's sending this check in and we're doing this. But I ju- it was just – like God had just provided enough for me to take that next step. So then – my sophomore year or junior, um, it just so happened the lead pastor of this church where I had been going to church was retiring that year. And um, a guy named Gary York I, I is cool. He was wonderful. Um, he led Eastview Christian Church. That's a church that helped me find Jesus. And, and I'm serving in a youth ministry. I'm getting through Bible college. And uh, the youth pastor, who was my youth pastor, who I, I was volunteering for, s- said, buddy, can we, can we hang out? And I said, yeah, of course, we hang out. And he goes, I got good news for you, man. I was like, what's that? And he goes, um, to honor Pastor Gary York as he retires, they want to do a preaching scholarship in his name. 
you, and you're going to school to preach, right? I said, yeah, that's my major. It's preaching. And he goes, okay, well, I don't have this all figured out yet, but I'm pretty sure you're never going to have to worry about college money again. And I was like, what? That's awesome. And, and so I call home. I'm like, you guys, something really cool is happening. And here's the coolest thing. The whole time, myself and my parents, our faith is growing. Because year after year after year, we know where the numbers are and how it shouldn't work. But lo and behold, it keeps working. So then they have the ceremony. They put me on the stage, the whole thing. And, and they were exactly right. All of my college was covered. Now, here's the crazy thing. By the end of my time at Lincoln, there was a $100 credit in my account. <laughs> they owed me when I was done at that place, and I graduated with no student loans. And I know for a fact I'm not that good. We weren't that well planned out as a family. It began with a step of faithfulness in God's direction and provision like I'd never seen before. So so going back, I was supposed to go to the state school. Yeah. And it was supposed to cost one price. It ended up being way more affordable for me to follow where God was leading me uh, when we saw him show up and provide. Now, here's what this did. From then on, I started to think about my resources differently. And that was the first time my eyes were open to the idea that maybe God's economy is a little bit different. Because, I mean, you know, I, I thought, like, money is like there's saving money, there's earning money, you work hourly, and for your hours you get this in return. It was a very simple equation. It wasn't complex. It wasn't investments. It wasn't, you know, working smarter, not harder. It was, like, very simple. You work, you earn, you do your best to save. And that's really how money works. And this experience in college showed me maybe there is something that I don't realize about God's ability to show up for us. Maybe there are unseen realities tied to God's heart that actually in real ways have something to do with our finances. And I'll tell you what, from that moment forward, he had my attention. All right. So let me ask you this, though. So you, so far you've told us how basically you were the beneficiary of other people's generosity. Yeah, that's Other right. people had been generous. You got to receive it. And it started to change your mind about, okay, how did that translate into you becoming generous yourself? Or what did, oh, yeah. what did that part of the story look like? Okay. Well, I guess it was a response to what God was doing. I mean, I, I'm watching thousands and thousands of dollars show up in my hands and I wanted to live faithfully in response, you know, like therefore in view of God's mercy, present yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. When you look at the faithfulness of God, the, the proper response is to offer yourself back. And I did that in two ways. I did that by journeying in ministry and just keep like my ministry journey, being faithful to that calling. And then I did that by like, well, shoot, he's given me all this. I want to try giving it back to him. So I took a job. Uh, I always talk about this Chinese restaurant. Shout out to the Mandarin Garden in Normal, Illinois. I love that place. It's still my favorite restaurant to this day. I was a server there. I had no business being a server. By nature, I am clumsy and forgetful. So I don't know what made me think I should be running through crowds of people with a large bowl of soup <laughs> on a tray. But... but um, I, I loved it. It was such a great place to learn generosity because you tip out at the end of the night 
and you literally walk out of that restaurant with a handful of cash, and and it was so easy. I just said, okay, I'm going to take some of it when I get home, and I'm going to set it aside, and I'm going to try and do something for God with it. And so what I started doing is that CIY, we still send our kids to CIY, make CIY move, transformed me. It transformed me. And, and so I said, I'm going to start setting money aside and I'm going to pay for other kids to go who don't get to go. So I talked to the uh, leader of the youth ministry where I was serving. I said, buddy, I want to give this money. And so I literally would come home every night and that was my routine. I'd have cash and I would take some of it and set it aside. Now I'll tell you about the amounts and what I learned about how much I set aside later, but but I began this discipline of literally just looking at it, taking some out, saying, okay, who do I want to hang out with this week? What do I want to do with my friends this week? What do I need for that? And then I'm going to take the rest and I'm going to start sending kids to CIY. The craziest thing started happening at Mansion Garden. Um, I was one of our worst servers. I didn't get to work the parties. You know, uh, uh, you know, when these workers would come in from the Mitsubishi plant and they're on work and they have an expense account and there'd be like 20 people in our back room and whoever got that table was just set for the night. I got like section B, one, two, and three, like three, four top tables all in a row. So I can't get lost or mess <laughs> anything up or, or everyone can, all the tables, they'll know right where I am at all times. And, you know, I had friends who would work six tables in a party or whatever. And we would tip out at the end of the evenings, and consistently, I would tip out with more money than all the other servers. The the lady, her name was Wa, uh, H-U-A, um, Wa, who is the woman uh, who managed the restaurant for, her jaw would drop. And she she literally asked me one time, she's like, how are you doing this? And I was like, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I probably said I'm just blessed or something. And again, this game started developing between me and God. I was having so much fun giving and I've seen kids go on these trips. And I'm telling you, I am not one of those like, give to God so you get something in return. I I, I, I just experienced firsthand all of a sudden I'm, in, I'm playing this game where I see if I can give more away than God can give to me. And God just kept winning that game over and over and over. And it started to transform my thinking. Now, there was a time right before I got this job. This is another one right in the mix there. Um, so there I started seeing financial differences. But right, right around that time before my restaurant, I needed some extra hours. And so I worked at the school cafeteria. I don't know why I didn't have more respect for myself. But I just <laughs> got a job scrubbing dishes at the school cafeteria it's the worst job I've ever had. It sucked. And, and I, they were, there was like a click and they would all grab the dishes. You know, the, there's these like, wait, there was a click within the school cafeteria. No, it was like these punk, it was these five <laughs> emo kids who all liked one another and isolated me because I play sports. I'm not bitter. Uh, but I had this job. My job was I would sit in the back and like, scrape whatever casserole they made that day that had burnt itself to the pan I would sit back there and I would scrape it all, ugh I, and it was just smelled I would smell like that place after you had to wear a hairnet which is not good when you're in college and you're looking for a, a mate and um, and so something happened though here's the other big moment um, my restaurant career took off 
they started giving me the Thursday shift and a few extra tables, and I was making cash. Um, and and then I I could have dropped the dishwashing job, but I made a spiritual commitment. Uh, a preacher I look up to, Louis Giglio, said the most character he ever built that helped his preaching was when he worked in the copy room at this dentist office, and he was by himself, and it was humbling. And he goes, all of my best preaching came out of those moments because God developed character in me. I said, I want to give that a shot with this. Maybe this thing, maybe this cafeteria job sucks, but God's going to do something in me in it. So I'm going to offer this back to God. And so I kept the job for the rest of that school year. And I said, whatever money I make in the cafeteria, I'm going to give 100% of it away to a mission that I I know in, in Haiti. And so uh, on the weekends and weekdays, I'd do my restaurant money. I'd send kids to school and buy their, or send them to CIY by their trip. And then I would take 100% of that scrub the dishes check and I would give it to uh, a ministry that I was fond of that was helping feed people and teach them God's word in Haiti. And that's when I really began to get it's better to give than receive. Because it, that experience was not just about like, oh, God's giving me money, but anybody can become generous if you promise God's going to give you more money back. That experience began to move some things around in my heart. And I was experiencing levels of joy and character development that were uncanny. And, and I think the generosity associated with that moment made it all possible. If I was working that cafeteria job and I was pocketing money and going, ha-ha, extra income, I don't think I would have experienced some of the joy and character formation that happened in that place. And so um, those were my beginnings in generosity, shoveling off a little cash here and there um, from the restaurant. And then that that school year where I kept working in the cafeteria and gave 100% of the check away. All right. So let me ask you this question. We know it's a bad idea because it's simply not true for a pastor to get up there and say, if you give X amount of dollars, God's going to give you yeah, 10 yeah, yeah. times more. But you are saying that yeah. there is something God is doing, that God is blessing you with. Like, what what made that so joyous? Or, or let me ask you this. You would say that you would say that your giving unlocked joy. Yeah, Absolutely. And the joy was worth more than the money you gave. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you this then. Were there any other milestones along your giving journey that you you remember? Okay. So we're kind of tracking internally. I'm watching. To your point, yeah, you we we pride ourselves at momentum and not doing the like give so God gives back to you. I think there's a lot of other biblical reasons to give. But to address this head on for a second, I do believe – God provides for people who are making themselves useful in his kingdom. Um, I just do. Robert, we were sharing before we started, Robert Morris, pastor in Texas, who's all about generosity and giving, and he has a lot to say. But the best thing I heard him say is he goes, some people make this mistake. They believe in a poverty gospel. You have to sell all you own, live lowly, and move to the inner city or a poor nation to be loved and acceptable to God. Does that sound right? He goes, other people miss me on the other side, and they pe- preach a prosperity gospel. Yeah, and, and you give this, and God will give you two more, and you keep going. And he goes, that misses it. That's not always true. That's not all there is to the story. He goes, our gospel is a provision gospel. 
And over and over and over in the scriptures, you can watch God providing for people who put themselves on the line for him and his kingdom. I mean, the Proverbs, are the house of the generous increases. The Proverbs are loaded um, with explanations of how God continues. Uh, he, I think God moves things around for people who are serving his purposes in their day. Um, we see we see Paul and his generosity stories and doing the same thing. And, and so so um, that is 100 percent the lesson from that chapter. The next big moment um, came from one of my, my second ever mentor, Christian guy I looked up to. He was the business professor at Lincoln Christian University. I was a ministry student, but like because I spent 18 years of my life being interested in business, in, in the marketplace, in making money, I hit it off with this guy. And most of the ministry students never took a second look at Eric Tioro. Uh, I I just got the dude. We had similar upbringing, similar past, similar passions. And so one time, J.K. Jones, who many people know from our Night of Spiritual Formation, shout out to J.K. It's coming again in November. Just be ready. Um, JK invited Tioro to speak to a, a class full of ministry workers about their finances. And Tioro brought an idea or way of thinking about your money that I'd never heard before. And it just made perfect sense to me. He said, and, and I don't remember exactly how he presented it, but he goes, okay, first of all, let's begin with God. If you believe God's kingdom and his purposes and will and reign and good love for humanity. If you believe that's like the best thing that could happen to humanity, if you believe in the church, if you believe you've been blessed by God, because here we are in America and we're the wealthiest nation that's ever, you know, whatever. If you get the fact that if you make $30,000, you're a one percenter. If you get, okay, God wants to use his people to transform the world. And you've got a lot of resources where you could do that. If you get all that, doesn't it, doesn't make more sense. Okay. Most of us think about giving, hold that idea really quick. Most of us think about giving and we go, I make X, I will take a percentage of X and that will be what I give, you know, uh, in percentage giving. It's a great, powerful, we're going to talk more about that later in the month. It is awesome. But he goes, what if you flipped it? And he goes, what if you, rather than saying, I make X, I'll give Y percent, said, I want to shrink my living expenses and lifestyle down so that the highest, I could give away the highest percent possible of what I have. And I was, you know, 21 or two years old at the time. And I go, yeah, like why? What? So, so most of us think the giving game begins when you have your budget in front of you. I'm Dave Ramsey, everydollar.com. And you have your budget and you go, what can I afford to give out of this budget? He goes, no, 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 no. What if it's a whole different game where you are literally learning the minimum requirements for you to enjoy your life and you try and shrink those down as much as you possibly can so that you have the most resources possible to funnel towards people in need, in need of food, in need of houses, in need of spiritual help, in need of God. And and you played this game where you tried to see how little you could live off of, how much you could give. And and for me, I, I guess given what I had been through, I'm like, yes. Yeah, let's do it. That's that's what I want to do. So we took that, and uh, and and we've run with it, and we've 
and, and we we as a family, Brit, you Brit, my wife Brittany has a whole other giving journey, and literally even you know we've been married for almost twelve years now. In the last three years, she too has observed this crazy habit we have with giving in the way that God has just brought to us more than we could have ever gone and got for ourselves. And so she's now thinking this way and this is what we do. So like literally right now in the almond family, this is like a conversation we had yesterday about our life, lifestyle, finances, and giving. Um, <laughs> Britt sat down and she goes, honey, one day when we're retired, I want to make pasta, homemade pasta two times a month. I said, well, that sounds awesome, but like, why would we wait 35, 40 years to do that? And I'm like, that's a long time, and pasta isn't that crazy of a goal. We could do pasta. And, and so she goes, oh, yeah, I didn't think of it that way. And I go, and I followed up with her, and I, the next day I was like, well, hey, what does pasta mean to you? Like, why is that, why was that so grandiose? And she goes, man, it just seems incredible. Like, just to be a family, to have time together, to make a food we love, to enjoy it. So I go, I go, I go, wait a second. That's your, that's your like dream come true is pasta? And she's like, yeah. And so I'm like, babe, if it's pasta, like, we'll buy you some flour. You know, you can go buy the nice flour and for $9, you can experience like your deepest form of joy. And I'm like, because in, in times past, you know, both of us, we like, we got some toy we're saving for or some thing she's interested in that's either makeup or stuff girls are into. And I'm like, babe, here you are. You just uncovered your, your, your grandest dream of fulfillment costs $9. And I'm like, let's, let's run in that. Let's go get you some $9 pasta supplies, and then we can take all the money we're saving by not buying the next toy or the next thing and the next thing we want. And, like, we can, A, be generous with it, B, figure out how to be a blessing to the people around us. Um, so we got, we got somebody uh, in our life right now, and we're saving to buy them a car. And I don't know how the heck that's going to happen, but, but I'm bringing it back to this pasta idea. You see how much... You see how much if you if you don't just go, hey, I have this much to give month by month by month. But if you switch the game and you start going, how could I whittle down my lifestyle and and find joy in what I already like have? And then I could take all of this excess now and be generous with it in Jesus name. You are playing a completely different game. And I think you've really laid hold of a new way to be generous that could be far more. So let me ask you this then, because I I like what you just mentioned there, because I think sometimes this is a trap we get caught in where we're like, for me to be generous means I can't have any fun or enjoy anything whatsoever. I mean, you talked about it a couple minutes ago when you talked about the poverty theology or poverty gospel. You're not saying that reducing our lifestyle means, well, I I can't own anything I like. I've got to have clothes that have holes in them and like my shoes are falling off my feet. You're saying that like, hey, look. What truly brought, and um, tell me if I'm getting this right, what truly brings Brit joy in this situation is she likes getting the family together, she likes making pasta, the process of it, the eating of it, that's just fun. I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. So we're still going to do that. Yeah. And then we're going to, and since it doesn't cost a ton, money we would have spent doing X, Y, or Z, we'll just take that and be generous. Let me tell you where this begins. And this is not for the. This requires being a thinking Christian. You have to be. You want to go to this depth. You have to be a thinking, conscientious Jesus follower. 
But here's, here's the beginning of generosity. Ask the question, what is it that actually makes me happy? What is it that actually makes me happy? Our lives move so quickly and there is so much going on all of the time that we don't stop and evaluate what we do and go, did that make me happy? Or was that like some pleasure and I feel really bad after? Like, like for example, like I love restaurants. I do. I love Grubhub. I love, I love like, I mean, hanging out at home and, you know, watching Netflix and, and then, you know, Grubhubbing PF Chang's is awesome. But then I'm like, I've started going, I started waking up the next morning and my mouth is dry because there's so much salt in that PF Chang's. You add up the Grubhub and I just spent $65 on a meal that would have cost 40 if I would have just gotten up and drove over there. Um, the, I like being healthy. The calorie, you consume three times your daily allowance of calories in a PF Chang's meal. Now, for the longest time, that was my vision of happiness. But then I started going, wait, does that actually make me happy? No, no, it doesn't. And, and there's so much like that. Like, if you like consumer goods, you know, like if you like whatever the heck, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to find the example, but like, I'm, I'm, you know, let's say it's a new set of golf, like your golf, it happens in golfers all the time. They think yeah. they get the oh, next yeah. club. Okay. Does, do this experiment. What makes you more happy? Getting a new driver or sitting down and cleaning your golf clubs. And like, you're not rushed. You got nothing else going on, and you sit there and you hand polish those golf clubs and make them look brand new. I'm betting nine out of ten golfers would find more actual joy in cleaning their clubs than they would. The new driver makes you happy for for three weeks, and then you realize you slice it just like your last driver. But that's but nobody stops long enough to go. Is this making me more truly happy? And then I think what most of us find is a. The things we thought made us happy actually don't as much as we thought. B, the things that truly make us happy are far more simple and attainable, and they're around us for the taking, and they're not as expensive as you may think. Matter of fact, they're really, really affordable. Sorry, one more. Here we go. Here's when I learned this for the first time. When I was saving up to buy Brit her wedding ring, uh, I was a church intern, and I worked at a gym in town. And that was right after I had finished at Mandarin, and I was doing these things. I knew if I was going to make uh, enough money for her to get this ring to, so I could get engaged, um, I had to... I had to save as much as I could and earn as much as I could. Well, I was earning as much as I could, so we needed to save. And so I bought an $8 Frisbee, and we would walk up to this park in in New Albany, Indiana, and we would play Frisbee with the $8 Frisbee one summer instead of going on dates. Oh, my God. We had so much more fun than going out to... Chilies, you know, and whatever the heck we blowing were. a lot of yeah. money, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just, I just wholeheartedly believe um, if you start with what will actually make me happy, you'll find out how affordable and attainable it is. And if you have the discipline to go, okay, now that I've created this financial margin, who can I bless with it? You have stepped into a whole new way of viewing what you have, and you've opened up brand new doors to generosity and brand new doors to what it means to truly live a blessed life.
All right, let me ask you this then. What what does generosity look like for you and Britt now in these days? Okay. Oh yeah. We're just we're just good old fashioned percentage givers right now. And again, I'm not trying to steal some thunder. I think we're going to talk about just how simple and powerful percentage giving is later. But but we have prayed over a percentage of our resources that we give away. And I, te- I, I mean, it is like the first thing we do when we get paid. I wish we could do the auto draft thing and have our, our, our giving um, tied to... Uh, you know, on the auto thing, but Brit, she works at different shifts and her income flexes. So we leave it off, but to be intentional, we've decided on this percentage already. And the second the money gets direct deposited in our accounts, we give it immediately. Um, because it's just that manager. It's what I learned when I was at the Chinese restaurant, the quicker you give, the easier it is to give. And that was the nice thing about walking home with that cash. I could literally put some in this pile and some in that pile. And I learned back then the longer those that money sat in one single pile, the harder it was to peel off. But if you just create this habit right when you get paid, that's what we do. Um, we do percentage giving. Um, we've had to change our percentage through the years with our children. Um, like we we by uh, by God's grace, I'm, I just I say this so humbly. Uh, we had one season of our life where we were able to regularly give away 25% of our income. And i tell you that to tell you this, we were able to do that before Lucy was born. Lucy is your... Oldest daughter. She'll be eight in October. So yeah. when you guys both had jobs and no children, yeah, there was, you're, yeah. you had very few expenses. Yeah. Fair enough. And Absolutely. honestly, it killed me. It killed me not to be able to do that, and I felt like I was taking a loss because we backed down from that. Because I thought my goal was like it would always grow and expand until I die. Uh, I'm still going to recover that, but but um, but we had to back it down as as the kids came, and then and, and so okay, so percentage giving, doing it right away, it's gone up and down. It's season by season. We're usually asking the question. How much can we afford to give away? Like literally, like we are fighting to keep that percentage as high as we possibly can. Um, additionally, on the side, we also do uh, so a- a- after we do our percent, and, and for us, it goes to the church. Um, I just think that's biblical. Um, the big Micah passages, um, the big Micah passages on giving in Scripture, all say bring it to God's house. And I believe if there was ever something in our day that's God's house, it's the local church. Um, so, so we do that. But then on the side, through different times, we've supported missionaries. We've supported church planters and other church plants and, and, and have on the side had other things we were giving to. So when you say on the side, you're talking about like, I, I don't know your money, so I, I'm yeah. just making this up. Let's say you said we're giving away 15%. And then on the side means in addition to that 15%? Yes, yeah. Okay. Sometimes. Okay. Like, it's been all of it. Yeah. And that's been the other thing on my journey. I, I love being disciplined. I just love waking up early, running far, working hard, long hours, and all of that stuff from my personality went into our giving journey. And it was like, as much as I can, and a percent more next year. And, and I've also just learned grace in this. And and I've realized now, you know, I've given X percent and Y percent through the years and and God's love for God loved me as much as he ever could before I gave anything. 
and that's still true, and there's still grace. I don't think I'm earning God's love with what I give. I do think through giving, I'm experiencing levels of intimacy with God that I just adore. I just love it, and I love the affinity and the closeness I experience with God through this whole thing. Um, let me ask you a question. Let's go, let's go way, way, way back, though. Let's say someone's listening to all this, and they're like, you know what? I would love to be closer to God. I would love to see my faith grow. I would love this. But right now, they are spending 100% of everything they make. Oh, man. And so, like, you're yeah. asking them to start giving. There's no way they can give because there is no extra. Yes. Okay, so between kids, bills, all that stuff, you know, they get paid on Friday, and yeah. then, boom, it's all gone. How would you tell them, like, where would they start? Where would they begin? Because that's scary. All right. That's my, scary. My, you are absolutely right. And I think, okay, there's no simple answer to this. <sighs> my, first, my first question with grace and love and kindness, like and to somebody, I'm not doing this to impose giving. If somebody said, I have a heart to give, I want this, but I can't. My first question would be, is your household really in order? Um, what through pastoral ministry, I, I've learned that most often most households are not in order. Just look up the statistics on debt, on credit card debt, on spending what you don't make, and all that stuff. A lot, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people think they're living to paycheck to paycheck. But in reality, they're just living carelessly. Mm, and that's a good point. There are so many, you know, you've got a $45 a week Starbucks habit. You could buy a coffee machine and make yourself Nespresso that would be delicious and have, you know, $30 a week back in your budget. There's, there's just my first thing would be is your household in order? Really? And then you said, how do I know? I would say, find a mature Christian person that you look up to. Check out everydollar.com by Dave Ramsey. Track your expenses and your income. Be really, really honest with yourself and see what you discover. If you truly discover there is no margin right now, then I would start saying, I would say, I bet you may not have money to give right now, but there's something else you could give. Um, perhaps your um, your energy, perhaps your whatever, and I and I would say, God, I want. I would set a goal in a, with with the Holy Spirit and I'd say, God, I'd really like to be in a place where I can be a giver. You know, by the end of this year, Lord, help me get there, and I would journey with God in it. If you if you were down the other road and you go, Oh my gosh, I had no idea. How much money I'm spending? I got Netflix, I got Hulu, I got YouTube, I got two subscriptions that do the same thing. I don't even need only. Oh, and you just found you found margin. You found hooray! Now be disciplined, and 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 start there and go. I, I'm gonna pick. You know everything that I save. I'm gonna I'm gonna start giving. Or or here's the best starting place. If you find out you have margin. After you, you get your household in order. And we're, I'm not trying to step on that. That's week three. I think we're going to talk about that. Pick a percent. A percent. Now, traditionally, uh, in church, tithing is a biblical practice. And it's 10%. I think tithing matters. I believe in it. But I also believe giving is a journey. 
I mean, here we are. We've talked about we've talked about a 15-year span of my life. And, and there were days when I began when pulling that money off of my, my Mandarin tips was hard. It's not always been like this. So giving is a journey. And the best thing you could do is pick a percentage of your income, you know, Tell your small group, tell a, a Christian mentor or friend, hey, I'm starting a giving journey. I'm starting at blank percent. I'm declaring this because I want you to hold me accountable. And I believe by speaking this to Christians who love Jesus and love me, I'm more likely to do it. You pick that percentage and then right after you get paid, you give that percentage. Um, I, that is the quickest way to becoming a giver. If you can't get your head around a percent, Pick a dollar amount. So 1%, holy cow, that really puts a hurting on the household. Pick a dollar amount and be fit. You know, every single time I get paid, I will give $15. You treat it like a Netflix subscription. I got to pay the giving, the generosity bill this week, and you get Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this, like kind of like final wrap-up question. When we give... Like, what happens? Like, why is it important to give? You've talked about things that have happened in your life, but, like, just to kind of, just to spell it out beyond a shadow of a doubt for anybody else there. When people, when the people of God are generous, what happens? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Everything. Uh, Man, let's do an episode on that. We need, Ooh. we need to do it because okay, we can like talk this. at length. I like this. Because we could talk about when the people of God are generous, that hungry people who need food get food. We could talk about when the people of God are generous, hopeless people living in depression find out God hasn't given up on them. When the people of God are generous, um, hope expands on earth. You know, Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And the kingdom of God gets closer to earth when people give. Um, That just happens. We could talk about what happens in you. You transform. We could talk about breaking free from materialism and how the more you give, the less of a hold on your life your stuff has. There's all kinds of things. All right. You know what, then? We'll make that next week's podcast. Here's the one. If you want one right now that you can look forward to, um, I, I would simply tell you this. If I wasn't giving, I, I'm looking down at my notes right here, and sometimes I forget, but I'm looking at one, two, three, four. You know, I have a, on, on paper like seven different things, seven different times where God revealed himself to me that are, that are like big parts of my faith story, and none of them would have happened outside of my generosity journey. And so you're listening and you're going, dude, he, what's the thing? Here's the, here's the thing. I just believe wholeheartedly that if you embark on a giving journey, you're opening a door to all sorts of new encounters between you and God. Um, and here's what we know about encounters between us and God. They always leave us better. We are always the beneficiary of an encounter with God. God is not doing this because he needs something from us. Um, I think when it comes to generosity, it's clearly something he wants for us. And so I would leave you with that. I would say, holy cow, I bet there's something God wants to do in your life and can do in your life through this. Well, awesome. That sounds like a great place to end it. Um, As always, to all of our faithful listeners, thank you guys so much. Don't forget to rate us, review us, share the podcast. 
five stars on iTunes. Helps us out a lot. Yeah. That'll do it for this uh, episode. Yep. We'll see you next Thanks, time. Thanks, Animal Game.